It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Hey guys, welcome to our new show. This is the College Football Coast to Coast show with me, Jacob, and my co-host, Tyler. Uh, We are going to be talking everything around college football. Uh, Last week's games, the AP Top 25 changes, a little bit of news in between, and next week's mashups, looking ahead to week two next week. Uh, To start it off, uh, I'm going to let Tyler take it away with uh, this last week's first matchup. Yep, it's good to be here on the show talking some college football, and we're definitely excited to have college football back and pack stadiums back as well after last season. So let's get right into it. Waste no time getting into uh, one of our first games that we're going to look at. We're going to look at a couple of the top matchups that we thought really stood out in our eyes. And the first one was on Thursday night whenever the four Frank Ohio State Buckeyes traveled to Minnesota to play the Golden Gophers. Uh, you know, you re- really don't – usually see, you know, Big Ten teams, you know, face off like against each other. But we actually saw two of those matchups this week. So it was kind of interesting to see that. But Ohio State was able to beat Minnesota 45-31 to in this offensive slugfest. Minnesota, I was really impressed with them in the first half. They were able to, you know, have the lead at the halftime. It was 21-17 going into it. But in the second half, uh, C.J. Stroud, and that offense uh, really stepped it up. And that was a question coming into this season. You know, Justin Fields is no longer the Ohio State quarterback. How is the Buckeyes going to look? Uh, you know, especially their offense. They still have their key weapon and wide receiver, Chris Olave. He had a good game as well, 117 yards and two touchdowns to his name. But uh, just going back uh, to this game, I, I was honestly – you know, even though that Ohio State won this game, uh, Minnesota really impressed me as well. Tanner Morgan had a pretty solid game as well. But 
Uh, Ohio State in that offense is uh, really looking good and uh, no, uh, you know, step back even from Justin Fields leaving. Yeah, yeah, I, I really agree. Um, I think that Minnesota put up a really good fight. Uh, I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, they got burnt out. I mean, you're playing against one of the best teams yeah. in the country and the best team in the Big Ten, really, um, for the last few years. Uh, so it's it's kind of hard to match up against that, especially to start off the season. Everybody's going to be shaky to start off the season. Uh, that's kind of how it rolls. Uh, once you get into the week two, week three matchups, it, everybody kind of finds their form a little bit. Um, but no, going back to Ohio State, I mean, C.J. Stroud played a pretty good game. I mean, being thrown into that role uh, is is a big one in Ohio State. And I know uh, history with Ohio State quarterbacks and running backs is so big within their organization, uh, kind of really the only, I would say, offensive powerhouse in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know who would argue the fact that they're not, uh, but they really are. And uh, a team like Minnesota, who's a young team, uh, I really think showed showed their true colors and kind of who they are and, and that they're a team to watch out for this year in the Big Ten. Uh, being from that other side of the division, I think it's 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 a good matchup uh, to start the season off. I do applaud uh, the scheduling uh, committee for the Big Ten for for deciding on some of these matchups to to take place. Um, as far as Minnesota goes, uh, their their run game was really well. Actually, I I wasn't expecting their running back uh, thirty carries for one hundred and sixty three yards. Um, and two touchdowns, which is a great start to the season and really a, a big positive to take away for, for that team. And then uh, that, I guess that's going to be all for our first matchup. So our second matchup that we're going to be talking about is going to be uh, number 10, North Carolina, versus the unranked Virginia Tech Hokies, which... Uh, I don't think that it went the way North Carolina would have liked it to. Um, I think that, you know, based off of last season, I think it got a little too over their heads this season, uh, especially being ranked 10th to start the season off. Um, Virginia Tech is is a pretty well-renowned program uh, for football that, that can, you know, produce some upsets. Uh, throughout the season, and uh, I think uh, this was one of those one of those times. Yeah, I definitely think uh, North Carolina coming into this season, you know, being ranked number ten uh, with Sam Howell, he was uh, you know in the top five in the Heisman rankings coming into this season. He did not have a good game at all. He threw three interceptions, didn't really help out his team that much. Uh, you know, this was a really defensive battle, and there was uh, offensive struggles. It's not like Virginia Tech, you know, had the greatest game on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, their quarterback had some struggles as well, had, only had a touchdown uh, and threw a winner reception as well. So the defenses are really stood up, and, you know, this is going to be a wake-up call for North Carolina this season, you know. They still uh, lost uh, uh, their running back uh, from last season, so they lost – a bit of their offense, but uh, hopefully uh, Sam Howe is able to step it up uh, in these upcoming games uh, in the ACC slate. I mean, they still have all the talent to still make a run and, you know, make it all the way 
to uh, to Charlotte for the ACC championship. But what I'm seeing, uh, you know, even from Clemson, this ACC is definitely wide open this year. Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, Clemson kind of left the door open, I think. Um, and I think that was kind of by design if we want to really be uh, true to ourselves and you know, really think about that. I think that was that Georgia-Clemson matchup, which we'll get into later, um, kind of yeah. set the table for not only the ACC, but the SEC as well. Um, so I think as far as that game goes, I, I, yes, it was a defensive matchup, uh, kind of one of a couple that, that we're going to be looking at, um, but not a good start to North Carolina season that I wanted to see, especially from Sam Howe. I just think that uh, – I think that he needs to improve big time. I think he's just got to get more comfortable in the pocket. Um, and he's just, he's, he's got to know where his receivers are. Um, I think it was just a lot of panic throws throughout that game um, that really led to those interceptions. And I mean, that's what happens with a lot of quarterbacks. They get too far ahead right. of themselves um, and they see the play develop and, and they're developing the play 30 seconds before the play even happens. Um, you know, and, and it's just not there. And, uh, you know, there's trial and error, especially to start the season off, because you got a lot of new guys. Uh, you might have some freshmen starting. I'm not sure as far as the whole starting lineup went out through North Carolina. I wasn't really paying attention to that. Um, just kind of focusing on, on the main things uh, to look out early in the season. Absolutely. And the next game in our week one recap is between Tulane and the second ranked Oklahoma Sooners. And Oklahoma, you know, really got tested in this one, 40 to 35. Uh, this game was supposed to be played uh, at Tulane's host stadium, but because of the hurricane with New Orleans not being without power, uh, they moved this game to Norman, Oklahoma. Um, so, but, uh, you know, going back to this game, like I said, the score is 40 to 35. I don't think. Uh, Many college football fans uh, around the country thought that this was going to be as close of a game it was. I mean, the line was set to, you know, Oklahoma at least like 25-point favorite in this one. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of offense in this one. Spindler, Spencer Rattler uh, kind of struggled at times. He only had a touchdown uh, on the day through two picks. But I was really impressed uh, with Tulane's offense, uh, especially their quarterback. He is a straight-up baller. He had uh, 296 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, you know, if it's honestly, if Tulane had like a pulse on defense, they probably would have won this game against Oklahoma Sooners. But uh, defense wasn't really the story in this one. Uh, you know, you got to give credit, you know, to Tulane, all they've been through uh, this past week. You know, with the hurricane, they're able to go on the road uh, to face the top two team and really give them a test and really uh, shock the whole entire college football world. Yeah, I think uh, a, a big positive for Tulane was the amount of offense that they produced. Um, you know, being playing against a Big 12 team like Oklahoma, who's a big offensive powerhouse, uh, I think that, you know, led by the quarterback, like you said, Michael Pratt, who's just a freshman, uh, really, you know, popped out of nowhere. I mean, 27 for 44 with 296 yards and three touchdowns. Uh pretty good start to a freshman season uh with a, okay. with a lot of light in front of him uh i think that uh you know not only that i mean even on the ground he had 15 carries rushing uh for 34 yards i mean not a lot but you're looking at one touchdown right there on top of it you know so i mean it's it's good to see 
uh, some competition uh, against some of these Big 12 teams, especially ones that we'll talk about much later on, probably towards the end of the season, with the whole Big 12 to SEC move um, going on, supposedly. We'll see what happens with it in the future. But I think it's good that some of these small teams like Tulane are going to give teams a run for their money. I mean, I I don't know personally, you know, because I can't I can't predict the future, and I don't know what would happen if it was flip flopped. If this game was in New Orleans, say this game was in New Orleans, it's only a five point difference, and they're playing in Oklahoma. I mean, it it doesn't speak for what it would be if it was in New Orleans originally, like it was supposed to be. You know, so I mean. It's just the way the cards fell, um, but definitely a really, really good showing uh, from Tulane, and uh, I'm really excited to see what the future of that program holds uh, moving forward. I definitely, uh, th- yeah, I definitely agree with you, and it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, we're all, t- you know, everyone in the Americans talking about like Cincinnati and UCF, how they're going to do. Uh, keep an eye out on this Tulane team because they definitely have the offense uh, to maybe contend in that conference this year. Definitely. And then moving to the biggest game probably of the weekend last week uh, is probably number five, Georgia, played against uh, number three, Clemson. Uh, final of the game was 10-3, to three, uh, Georgia. A very low-scoring shootout, not what we're used to seeing from a team from the SEC and the ACC. Kind of middle-of-the-road teams when we talk about offense, uh, but two teams that are big defensive powerhouses and that's what wins them championships um you know and that's what everybody preaches is defense wins championships no matter if it's football or basketball or baseball or anything like that um so i i think the main takeaway from this was what i was watching for before the game even started i said i'm watching both teams offensive lines do quarterbacks have protection in order to get rid of the ball and answer no there was zero protection in the pocket, which I expected there to be. Um, and it resulted from a lot of sloppy play on both sides of the field. I mean, I watched countless punts back and forth. And it was it's a game I like to watch. I mean, I like to see the back and forth play. Um, and I think the game we'll get in next to is the same, same way. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it really is uh, something I want to see moving forward. Uh, with college football, I hate looking at games that are, you know, 40 to 35 and, and you know, 45 to 31. Uh, so, I mean, these low scoring games, I think, are what I want to see in the future. Yeah, I definitely thought that this was not going to be a game where you're not going to see a lot of points, but I didn't think it was going to be like this low scoring, you know, 10 to 3. Uh, the only touchdown we really saw uh, in this game was a pick six uh, by Georgia in the first half. And other than that, there's really no signs of, uh, you know, offense. You know, it's not like one team uh, did better than the other. I know Georgia got the win, but their offense uh, really struggled just as bad as uh, Clemson's offense. Uh, Clemson, I don't even think, got uh, over 10 yards rushing. So, uh, you know, the defense, both of these teams uh, have championship uh, caliber defenses that will – you know, keep them in every game this season. But I was definitely impressed uh, with George's defense. Uh, There's a lot of expectations for both of these teams uh, going in. Uh, whoever's going to win this one was really going to feel good about themselves already about their uh, playoff spot. But, yeah, this uh, definitely lived up to the billing. 
uh, if you like defense, but if you like offense, uh, this wasn't the game for you. Yeah, I mean, if you're really going to sit down and, and crunch the numbers on the lack of protection on the offensive line for Clemson, just think about this. I just got done saying it, but the quarterback for Clemson, Clemson's quarterback, don't ask me to pronounce his last name because it's impossible. Yeah, we're not um, going to do that. We're but, gonna below, so. Yeah, so he had 14 carries for negative 22 yards. Yikes. And so I really think that there just shows how much of a difference you have. You had somebody like Trevor Lawrence – uh, last year who was able to get out of pocket. He's quick enough to get out of the pocket and get rid of the football. Um, you know, I think it's a different quarterback, different system. Uh, I think that they'll adjust. Uh, but a team like Georgia, I mean, that's tough. I mean, you're you're talking about some big dogs, uh, no pun intended, on the defensive line. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about guys that are huge. Uh, so I, I just think that... Uh, that's the big difference, and I think moving forward, we need to pay attention to Clemson offense, offensive line and uh, the protection they get up front. All right, well, for one defensive battle to another, uh, the next game on the slate was 19th front Penn State going on the road to Madison to face 12th front Wisconsin. And the Nittany Lions was able to win this one 16-10, and it's not the Big Ten without one of these games at least once in the season. I mean, this game was – 0-0 zero, zero going into the halftime. You really don't see that nowadays. Uh, like we said, you know, with the high-powered offense, you know, like like a game like Tulane, Oklahoma, we saw 40-35 and Ohio State, Minnesota with 45-31. to 31. So this was a grinded-out game, and, and uh, Penn State was able to do just that. I think Sean Clifford did enough for Penn State to do this one. They got some uh, timely turnovers when it was needed, but all in all, you know, Penn State and Wisconsin, and they both really had some expectations going into this one. You know, Penn State coming off of that lackluster performance of last season. Wisconsin trying to, you know, keep the momentum from last season as, as well. But uh, whoever was going to win this one was definitely going to be set up the most to make a Big Ten title run. So this was definitely a huge win for Penn State to get, especially on the road. Yeah, definitely a big win at Camp Randall. Uh, I think – the biggest takeaway, especially for Wisconsin to start the season off, is that they need uh, they need some more experience at the quarterback position. Uh, I know that Mertz was a big talk uh, for Wisconsin, especially in the offseason, on his performance and what he would bring to the table for this Wisconsin team, who's definitely defensive-minded first. Um, I think Paul Christ is definitely defensive-minded first. Uh, you know, definitely a place that produces a lot of top-level DNs and linebackers, um, kind of similar to Penn State in that aspect. Uh, uh, but something that I saw in the game that really made the difference, if you think about it, this is a six-point game. It's, it's a one-score game all the way up to the very end. So uh, I think moving forward... And the biggest problem that I have with Penn State is the prevent defense when they get ahead. I'm not sure what runs through their mind or, or you know, the changes that happen throughout the offseason. But I feel like, you know, they're one of the teams, one of a few teams um, from a Power 5 conference that spend too much time playing prevent defense with leads. Um, but, you know, rushing the ball 
for the whole team, 18 carries for only 50 yards. I mean, that tells you how good Wisconsin's defense played against the run uh, through that game. Only a couple of breakout runs from Noah Kane, the longest of 34 yards. And so you're talking, that's 34, the 50 yards right there on one run. Um, you know, receiving the ball, Jahan Dodson definitely made the biggest difference, I think, for Penn State. Uh, definitely somebody I think that uh, the whole nation needs to watch out for as we get deeper into the season, uh, especially uh, against some of the bigger uh, powerhouse teams in, in the Big Ten. But, uh, yeah, as far as Wisconsin goes, I think they got to go back to the drawing board, especially for offense. Uh, running the ball, uh, you got a, a decent transfer from Clemson. Uh, so I, I think that he's going to help you out um, and kind of be that future Jonathan Taylor for you. Uh, but, but as far as, as the as the offense goes, the quarterback, I think there needs to be some uh, realignment there. Uh, moving on to our final game that we're going to talk about from last week. It's going to be the night game that we had on the West Coast. That'll be UCLA versus number 16 LSU. Uh, UCLA did end up coming out on top 38-27 against the LSU Tigers. Uh my thoughts are going to be very narrow here, I think. Uh, first of all, I knew that UCLA was going to bring the house from the very beginning. Um, and I thought that LSU would be ready for it. Um, but it turns out they were not ready for it, uh, especially on defense. And, and I know that Coach uh, Ed Odron definitely prides himself on defense. Uh from a team a couple of years ago that won a national championship. I mean, you're talking a big offensive team, but you don't have that anymore. And I think you have to move past that and look into the future uh, of this program. Yeah, UCLA brought the house uh, this game. Chip Kelly really had a game plan uh, against LSU, and that game plan worked exceptionally. It was really a bounce offense all night from UCLA. They were able to – pass at will and run at will against this LSU defense. I mean, this game uh, was a 0-0 in, in the first quarter. You know, both offense, uh, you know, really find their identity. But after that, uh, UCLA's offense, you know, just it seems like every time they got the ball, it was just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Uh, now on LSU side, uh, Max Johnson, you know, he had an okay game. It was just O-line. Wasn't there for him. Uh, he was getting sacked and pressured uh, many times. He really just didn't look uh, very comfortable the whole entire game. And LSU, I think the main other problem, you know, even with O line, LSU just wasn't able to get that run game going, get that bounce attack that uh, Ed Ogeron really wants to do. But yeah, I was definitely, um, uh, you know, shocked at definitely seeing the score. Uh, but definitely was impressed with how UCLA uh, really came out here. You know, they had uh, a week one game against Hawaii, uh, won that game 44 to 10. And, it, you know, they're now 2 and 0. Uh, and, you know, the Pac 12 South is definitely going to be wide open. And even the Pac 12 in general, I mean, even with Oregon struggling in week one, USC uh, is going to be in the mix. Uh, Utah is going to be in the mix as well. So, you know, from these past two games that I've seen from UCLA, I think they're definitely going to be a legitimate. Uh, threat in the Pac-12 this season. Yeah, I think uh, along with Stanford, uh, 
Uh, Stanford's kind of a dark horse, I think, this year, the Pac-12. Um, if Oregon doesn't want to show up this season, I think that those two teams could definitely take the lead uh, for the Pac-12. All right, that's going to be it for our week one recap. And now we will flip the script to week two. Uh, before we get into our week two picks, uh, we're going to focus on the AP Top 25 poll just to see uh, what's changed about it. We're not going to go through like every change because there's like 22 teams that really flip-flop. So that means there was only like three teams that didn't really move. But the AP poll was released uh, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock. So I'm just going to go through the big movers. So uh, the one couple of teams I know is Georgia moved from five to two. Clemson, uh, they moved down from three to six. Iowa moved up from 18 to 10. Same law with another Penn, Big Ten school, Penn State, after their big win against Wisconsin. They moved from 19 to 11. Texas moved up a couple of spots after their win against Louisiana, 21 to 15. And team we were just talking about, UCLA Bruins, they went from not ranked to 16. So they basically swapped spots with LSU to where they were last week. Coastal Carolina went from 22 to 17 after their week one victory against the Citadel. Wisconsin dropped from 12 to 18 against their loss to Penn State. Virginia Tech went from North, uh, not ranked to number 19 after their win against North Carolina. Ole Miss uh, went from not ranked to number 20. So just right there, there's two teams that entered the poll. Miami went from 14 to 22 after their slacking against Alabama in week one. Uh, North Carolina, a team we talked about earlier, went from 10 to 24 after their loss against Virginia Tech. And then rounding out the top 25 changes in the AP poll was Auburn going from the unranked to number 25 after their blowout victory against the Akron Zips. Yeah, uh, I think that this is the AP poll that I want to see going forward, uh, something that I want to see every single season i want to see teams that we haven't seen in the poll in a long time teams that are not ranked that get big wins that can come up and and really challenge some other teams and knock them off the poll i mean this is the first time that we've really seen lsu off the poll in what four years um you know a team like washington last year as well (laughs) well and last year i I don't really count last year too much um, right just because it was kind of a, a flop season uh, in my opinion, but I won't get too much into that. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, teams like Washington, who in the past we've seen close to the college football playoff, you know, a big change is coming. Uh, teams like uh, even Utah being close uh, these last couple of seasons, I think it's, it's different to see these teams down towards the bottom of, of – of the standings and uh, for some people the AP poll is is big and for some it's not um it's mainly a big thing I I would venture to say for your big power five conferences uh you know you have a couple teams that are in the mix there like Coastal Carolina uh who's really not part of that group that that has really shown that they can compete um which is good and and I think that that staff has really taken taken a good role um, in developing those those guys to perform at the at the top of of uh, the AP poll that that, that they can, um, but I I think uh, 
really one team that I want to watch out for as we go throughout the season. Team that that is kind of flying under the radar right now. Um, definitely would be Virginia Tech. Uh, I think they have potential to get into the top uh, 15 and, and kind of stay there throughout the season. Uh, I think that would be a great finish for that program and a, definitely a big thumbs up uh, for that for that football program uh, going forward. Uh, but I, I want to get your thoughts on who you think uh, really can we can shed light on and see who we can who, who can break out later on in the season. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of teams uh, that I can really latch on to say that like they're going to be big movers in the bowl. I, I'm actually going to say it's Ole Miss for me. I was really impressed uh, against their win against Louisville, winning that game 43-24. to I know, yeah, they still have Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU. I get it. I mean, they get a lot of hype, but, you know, but – it's just something different with this Ole Miss team. They they got a really balanced uh, offense, you know, with Matt Corral at the helm. The defense uh, looked pretty good against Louisville. You know, Louisville was supposed to be, you know, on top of the ACC, a really contender in the ACC, especially with their quarterback at Lee Cunningham. But Louis, Louisville's defense couldn't really stop Ole Miss. And I think that's just going to be the theme for this uh, Rebel attack on offense. It's going to give a lot of problems to opposing defenses. Uh, I think they definitely have a shot, uh, maybe squeak into a New Year's Six Bowl game, maybe if they can go 10-2. and two, I definitely think uh, that is a real possibility for this Ole Miss team. So I'm going to hop on the lane train and say that Ole Miss is a team that I'm looking forward to this season. Definitely a team that I would like to see really uh, prove themselves this season in the SEC and really to the nation uh, with, with Lane Kiffin there. Uh, moving on, we're going to move to – kind of the, the third part and the last part of our show uh, kind of give you guys an overview of what we'll be doing now and in the future um, we're really going to take uh, five or six games you know that we think really are uh, games to watch for this upcoming weekend uh, and we're going to break them down and, and basically give you our pick and selection for them and, and what we think the overall score outcome could be uh, at the end of the game um, and then we'll definitely review them the following week when we do have next week's show um, and kind of give you our opinion. Um, and we love to hear y'all's opinion as well uh, going forward. So uh, I'll let Tyler take this first one. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take it. So it's a big one as well uh, to start off the weekend. It's 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox, so be sure to tune into that one. It's between number 12, Oregon, go on the road to number three, Ohio State. Now, this game was originally supposed to be played last year, but we all know that, so we don't have to go over that again. But, um, uh, I mean, after uh, these week one performances, it was struggles uh, between these two teams. Ohio State uh, probably had a better win overall. Uh, Oregon uh, only beat Fresno State 31-24, to but Fresno State's going to be really a, a dark horse candidate to win the Mountain West, so – they're not really a slash of a team, so can't really give credit to Oregon right there. But uh, Oregon's uh, offense uh, really struggled in the first game in Ohio State's uh, offense. You know, they struggled in the first half, but C.J. Stroud and the crew uh, will get it done. I definitely think this is going to be another uh, offensive battle. But uh, just because this game is in Columbus, uh, I definitely think that Oregon is going to give Ohio State a run for their money. 
I think it's going to be close probably going into halftime, but I'm going to give the Buckeyes this win 45-21. to 21. Ooh, big high-scoring game right there. Uh, oh, bigger yeah. than I than I would have anticipated. Um, I I, I want to go the same route and say it's going to be a very tough environment, um, very different from what uh, Oregon definitely faced last week. Uh, I would say Ohio State kind of has a little bit of a, a same environment as last week going into this one. Um, but I, I think the difference in this game is definitely the experience on the Ohio State offensive side of the ball um i I still think oregon is young even though they're starting a senior quarterback um i just think the rest of the offense is young um and i know that ohio state's quarterback is a freshman and all but you know everybody likes to hop on the the ohio state quarterback train very early on um but i think that you know it's going to be a big offensive game most games are very offensive game like uh in columbus uh i do expect the weather to be somewhat iffy because it always is in columbus um it all just depends and i know oregon's used to that um so weather is a big big uh factor i would say in games in columbus um so i expect it in this one uh but Overall in this game, I expect it to be a middle-of-the-road scoring game. Uh, it's going to be a close one, I think, up to the end. I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Uh, I'm going to go 31-24, and I'm going to give the nod to Ohio State by a touchdown uh, just because I think they've, they're playing at home, and uh, I think they will get it done uh, against a, a pretty strong Pac-12 team. Moving into our, our next game here, it's going to be a close interstate rival, uh, kind of a feisty game. I think it's going to be against oh, yeah. number. College game day is going to be there too. Yes, shoot, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're going to be there, so it's uh, it'll be a big game uh, for that state and for really the whole country. When you look at it, two teams ranked in the top ten here so you, again this week. So you're going to have number ten Iowa up against number nine Iowa State. Uh, that's going to be at three thirty p.m on abc uh tune into that one uh i think that this one's going to be defense at the end of the day if iowa state can play defense um i know that's hard to ask from a big 12 team uh at the end of the day <laughs> but uh i think if they're going to win this game they have to play defense um and i know iowa is going to play defense that's what they're known for is, is defense um it's going to be for them stopping the high-powered offense of Iowa State in those wide receivers that will absolutely burn them in the secondary if they are not ready. Yeah, I definitely agree that this is going to come down to the defense. You know, Iowa State, you know, I was kind of disappointed in their week one performance. You know, only put in 16 points against FCS opponent uh, Northern Iowa team that they played two years ago I mean who almost upset them and almost upset them again and but uh on the other side of Iowa the Hawkeyes I was really impressed with their week one victory against a top 20 team in Indiana you know Indiana was uh, a team also with high expectations of the Big Ten you know if they're starting quarterback Michael Penix coming off of the injury he struggled in that game Really impressed with Iowa's defense in that one, only holding that uh, high-powered Indiana offense uh, to only six points. Uh, 
this is going to be a really uh, back and forth game. I think there's not going to really be, really be many points in this one. But I'm going to get it for the edge to the road team uh, in this matchup. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to say Iowa wins this one, 23 to 13. All right. Well, uh, I forgot to give you my pick and selection for this one. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So uh, it slipped my mind, but. Um, Definitely, this game being at Iowa State uh, definitely is is a factor. I think in this one, and I think the experience at quarterback also is a big factor on this one. I think Brock Purdy is definitely the difference in this game uh, for Iowa State. Um, definitely knows the playbook like the back of his hand. Uh, I mean, last week going twenty one for twenty six for one hundred and ninety nine yards, very good completion rate. Um, you know, I, I think that. Iowa with with uh, with Petrus there at quarterback, I, I think is uh, something to keep an eye on. That's what I'll say. Um, but I think that Iowa State wins this game, which is I know that's a, that's a big take. Even though they're ranked one spot above Iowa, um, teams are really close. But I give the nod to Iowa State um, in this one, and I think they win thirty five thirty one. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think, in this one. Wow. Wow, definitely a different score than I would imagine. <laughs> you went from 23 to 13 to 35 to 31. But, yeah, I, I could definitely see uh, the offenses uh, coming to fruition in that game. But we will move on to the next game of the slate. App State goes on the road to face 22nd rank Miami. Miami's looking to bounce back uh, after that week one loss against Alabama. App State is looking to continue their momentum after a pretty impressive win against East Carolina in week one. And, you know, App State is one of those teams where they pull off an upset pretty much every season. Uh, You know, they have Chase Bryce, uh, who was a former Clemson quarterback. Uh, He's been playing uh, pretty well throughout his career, uh, even at Clemson, then going forward to Appalachian State. But I just don't see them pulling off the upset in this one. Uh, I think Miami is going to be ready to go in this one. I do think that App State is definitely going to test them. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game probably for at least two quarters, and then Miami and Derrick King uh, will pull away, uh, maybe get a couple of interceptions or maybe a fumble. We finally see that new improved turnover chain that Miami likes to see. But I'm going to say that Miami wins this one, I'll say 35-14. to 14. Wow, uh, big spread there. Um, keep in mind, there's only a nine-point spread in this game. Really? Uh, yeah, especially with Miami being the home team. Obviously, the nod is to Miami. Um, I I have seen App State with my own two eyes, and I can tell you that App State is not what you think they are. Um, they don't play like a Sun Belt team at all. They play all out like a Big Ten football team. And it is crazy to think that way, but that's how they play. And it's unbelievable, and I really give credit to that coaching staff. They have hit home big time with that program. Um, and yes, I think Bryce has definitely given App State what they need. Um, and that was a lot of experience at quarterback. And, and I think that uh, that offense steps up big time in this game. Um I want to say every week it's like an, an upset that everybody App State puts everybody on upset alert. I swear every week when they have a big game, 
Um, so I, I'm going to continue on with it, and I think it's going to stay the way it is. I know Miami might have a big bounce-back game after playing against Alabama, which they were no match for Alabama at all, and I kind of figured that. Um, I was hoping they put up more of a fight to start the season off, but just they're, they're not there yet. And I still think that they're going to be uh, battling from, from last week, uh, kind of the nerves and everything of, of coming off that loss. Uh, so I am actually going to give the nod to App State in this one. Uh, I think that they show up. I think that they take control of this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I think you're going to see a little bit of defense on both sides of the ball, kind of a struggle fest. Uh, so I'm going to give the nod to App State 21-10 um, in this one. I'm going to say that they're only wow. going to hold Miami to 10 points at home. Uh, which is a big task. Uh, but I think that if anybody can do it, App State can do it. Moving on. Wow, already, yeah. already on our first episode, already have an upset. <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect that. I wouldn't say it's so much of an upset. I would just say that App State isn't ranked. Yeah, I mean, and I just don't think Miami has proved themselves enough to say that they're a top contender in the ACC. Um, so I, I, nothing shows me that, that they can do that. Uh, so it, it's really going to be tested. And, and until I see Miami show up, I, I get it was a rough first game to start the season. And that's a rough first opponent, oh, yeah. you know, but uh, just sloppy play all the way around. Even special teams uh, was sloppy against Alabama last week. So I, I think that it's uh, it's going to be very interesting uh, this next week against App State. Moving on to our fourth game that we're going to be watching uh, paying attention to. I, I know I will probably be watching because um, I think it's going to be a somewhat interesting matchup. Uh, kind of a game I didn't expect we would ever see on a calendar, to be honest with you. Uh, and that's number five Texas A&M playing against Colorado. That'll be at 2.30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, kind of a middle-of-the-road game that, that I wasn't expecting. I was kind of expecting it to be a night game uh, that nobody was going to pay attention to. But uh, turns out that it's actually going to be in the middle of the day. Um, I think this game uh, is all going to come down to whether Colorado's defense can stop Texas A&M's offense. Um, I, I, I don't think they will be able to. I, I don't see how um, this early in the season. I just think that too much is disorganized with Colorado right now. Um, I know that they did get the win last week. Uh, I know that uh, North Colorado didn't really put much up of a fight um, in that game, but I, I think it's just going to be too much for, for Colorado. So I, I'm going to give the nod to Texas A&M kind of by a decent margin here. I'm going to go 35-10 Texas A&M. Yeah, I did not think that we were ever going to get this matchup between Texas A&M and Colorado, but it, it's definitely going to be a nice uh, road trip for Texas A&M to head out west uh, to play at a place like Colorado. They got a beautiful stadium over there, a nice facility in Boulder. But, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Texas A&M, this is a, a new-look offense uh, with Kelamon leaving and uh, a new quarterback uh, entering the door. Uh, I definitely think that – Texas A&M's defense is miles ahead of what Colorado's defense is going to be. 
And uh, even though that Colorado put up uh, 35 points uh, in their week one victory against Northern Colorado, you look at the stats here, their quarterback only threw 102 yards and one touchdown. They ran the ball 15 times, 94 yards, and a touchdown. So even though they put up 35 points, the offense uh, really struggled in week one at Texas A&M, you know, pretty much did the opposite in week one. They really cruise uh, to a week one victory against Kent State. I think I'm with you. Uh, I don't think this one's going to be a close as uh, many people are expecting it. I'm going to give the nod uh, to Texas A&M here. I'm going to go uh, 38 to 13. Okay. So I just realized something. We were just talking about this, and I just realized you just mentioned it was going to be in Boulder. It's actually not going to be. It's going to be in Denver. Oh, it's not going to be. It's going to be in Denver okay. at mile at mile high. So – this is going to all be right. very interesting. I didn't realize that. I'm not going to change my pick I at all. I'm going to I'm going to stick with my my selection in in my score. Uh, but I don't know if that's a factor for Texas A&M. They're not used to it, and it all comes down to environment. Right. And I love how football games come down to the environment, just like any football game up in Green Bay in the wintertime. So I, this I think is going to be a big factor. I know that Colorado's used to it. Um, but is a team like Texas A&M not used to it? And it, does that slow them down a little bit? Uh, but we'll just have to see, and, I, and I'm really looking forward to see how that affects uh, Texas A&M on the road. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I didn't even notice that it was uh, at a neutral site game. So, yeah, you know, especially uh, with the climate that they're going to be in, Texas A&M's not really used to that. They're, you know, they're used to playing their games in, like, 90 degree heat with you know the humidity you know going through the roof so yeah it's definitely going to be a new environment for texas a but i think they're going to pass the test this weekend so the final game that we're going to look at is uh, a rivalry that's dated all the way back whenever the southwest conference and now it's you know in a couple of years both of these teams are going to be rivals in the sec whenever texas and oklahoma make the move to the sec so the final game features 15th ranked Texas go on the road to Fayetteville, face the Razorbacks of Arkansas. This is going to be a six o'clock game on ESPN. And uh, Texas, uh, you know, already out the gate was tested uh, by a top 25 team against Louisiana. They blew the doors off of that team. Louisiana, you know, they have a really veteran team, but you know, Texas was uh, ready for the challenge. Uh, Arkansas. Struggled a little bit with Rice, but in the end, that, that offense was able to uh, score enough points. Uh, they put up 38 points in their victory against Rice. I want to say that this one's going to be close, but honestly, I just don't think Arkansas really has the talent to even keep it close to Texas. I definitely think that Arkansas is going to score on uh, Texas' defenses, but I do think that Texas is, you know, I know we like to bash about the Big 12 having no defense, but what I saw from Texas defense against Louisiana in week one, maybe there's a sign of life on the defensive side from the Longhorns. But I think that Texas is going to run away with this one against Arkansas. I think they're going to score a plethora of points. So I'm going to give the edge to Texas. I think this one's going to be 31-14, to 14, Texas. Okay. All right. 31. All right. Well, uh, yes, I think this is going to be a – bigger game than most people think uh especially playing in Fayetteville uh I wouldn't say it's a tough p- place to play um it's kind of a uh 
wasteland place to play. And the only reason I can say that is because I've lived in Arkansas. Um, and I lived in Arkansas uh, beginning of my lifetime. So uh, there's not much there to begin with. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a boring road trip uh, for Texas. Uh, aside, for, aside from that, it's only a seven-point spread in this game, actually. That's really shocking. Texas is the seven-point favorite in this game, so that's a touchdown, keep in mind. Um, I know Hudson Card kind of is on, you know, under the microscope right now, so to speak, uh, by Texas fans and the program uh, to keep an eye on. I know he got the nod to be the starter this season, I know it was kind of a little bit of a battle. Um, KJ Jefferson on the other side, I, I don't know. I don't think we've seen enough of him to really figure out if he's going to be uh, a decent quarterback moving forward for Arkansas. Um, I think this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be very close. I think Arkansas's defense shows up. Because uh, uh, Texas is notorious for falling asleep on offense somehow. Um, it's not defense, it's offense for them. Uh, and then they'll have a big breakout game the next week. So I, I think that you could see this game being very close um, and pretty low scoring. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm going to actually stick with with Texas in this one. Um you can see by the long pause, it was kind of a coin flip for me. Um, but this is going to be a close one, I think. I think I'm going to go 21-17 Texas in this game. Uh, I think that uh, Arkansas can score. I think definitely they can score against Texas. Um, it's a matter of how much, and I don't think there's going to be enough time in the game to catch up. Um, but... Uh, I do think Texas will jump off to an early lead in that game, and I do give the nod to them. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm definitely shocked at that score, 21 to 17, especially you know when Texas is involved, you know, with their high scoring offense. But who knows? Yeah, we can definitely see that. Uh, both of these defenses are really improving, and uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, week in week out, we are surprised. It seems like it's definitely. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Definitely something that uh, I like to see is, you know, close matchups. I think that's why I pick games so close. Uh, right. I would love that score to be like that. I love, like, nail... I mean, I would too, but I just don't see it. <laughs> I love nail-biting football games. I don't care who it is playing. I love watching nail-biting football games where it comes down to the last possession. I hate seeing games where, you know the game's over by the fourth drive of the game and, and here we are and i'm like well this is a boring one let me crack open a beer and sit here and you know drink away the rest of the game <laughs> that's that's kind of what what i don't want to see uh so i think that's why i picked it somewhat close uh, kind of just uh, i think that arkansas has a little more life because they'll be at home uh, and texas kind of drained a little bit especially uh from last week uh but that's really going to be the end of our show. That's kind of how we're going to go in the future um, with the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about news moving forward. Um, I think next week's topic, I will throw in there. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to give you some time to think about it, Tyler. I think we're going to toss in a little bit our early picks 
that we think could run the table for Heisman this season. I know Already it is very I know it is very very early, but this is the like early bird special edition of our oh. Heisman picks. And let's see how good this they are. <laughs> let's see how good it lines up to how the end of the season okay. will go. Um but uh I think that uh, That'll be the end of our show this evening. You guys will probably see an episode from us middle of the week of each week throughout the college football season. And definitely when we get to the playoff, we'll have you know some more consecutive episodes uh, with bowl games and things like that. Um, but if you guys do want to follow us on social media, it is uh, our college football coast to coast. That is CFB underscore coast to coast. Uh, that is on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we'll definitely have some stuff showing up on YouTube uh, moving forward with our show and uh, hopefully soon on Twitch um, so you guys will be able to tune in live to our show on Twitch uh, moving forward if we can get that all together. Um, thank you, Tyler, for joining me for tonight's episode. First one. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, and we will see you guys next week uh, on the College Football Coast to Coast show. Thanks. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere... Oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.